Hello there, Clitorati. As always, we are here to empower you. And if addiction is something that you have struggled with in the past or are currently struggling with, we want to give you a disclaimer that this episode dives into the depths of addiction and trauma, childhood trauma, and overcoming it. And we wanted to offer the SAMHSA's National Helpline, that Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It's free, 24-7, 365 days a year, federally funded helpline, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. I'm talking about a clitor, 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 talking about a clitor, clitor, clitor. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. What is up, Clitorati? We are all about turning pain into pleasure, and we have a very inspirational story today from a woman who has done just that. She took her childhood trauma and adult alcoholism to sobriety and sexual liberation. And after years of struggling, she managed to pull herself up by her own bootstraps and start on a better path. Her book, The Making of a Woman, is out, and she's about to compete in nationals this year in the NPC figure division at 49. This woman is awesome. Awesome. And she's hot. <laughs> and she's hot. Please welcome Jules. Woo! Yes, welcome. Hello, ladies. We're so excited Hi. to have you here. It was, it was, Thank Jules, you. Jules actually reached out to us and and you have two Instagram profiles. And she's like, also, I have this fitness one. And I was like, okay, goals. I need to know what this woman is doing. She's doing something <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're just so excited to have you here. Your, your story is so pivotal and it really hits on you know, a lot of things I think a lot of people can relate to. Can you, in your own words, really just tell us your story from pain to pleasure? I grew up in a toxic, alcoholic, regimented family where feelings, emotions, pretty much anything of the feminine was out. It was uh, very much due. It was in the time where kids were, um, we were meant to be seen and not heard. Mm. And so that progressed. Of course, um, it started to come out sideways. I dropped out of school when I was in ninth grade. I was fully in the disease of alcoholism, little sprinkles of drugs from here and there. And I took that right into adulthood. And I think the pain that I shoved down for all those years, what happened is, is as I started to get momentum into adulthood, it like, it, I was loud and in charge. Like, I... I was intolerant of so many things. And, and I think it was backed by the anger and the rage. And so then, you know, fast forward, go through that. Then I got sober when I was 35. And at that stage of my life, I was blessed with the amazing rooms of recovery that allowed me just to be the hot mess I was. You know, it was probably a good nine months when I could actually come into one of those meetings and, and not be an emotional wreck. I mean, so, and of course now and today, it's, it's a totally different world. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that, especially, I mean, with this last year in the pandemic, I think they said alcohol sales increased by like 
40% or something like that. Wow. I don't know what the, the exact statistic was, but I was definitely self-medicating <laughs> more than I ever have. Um, and it, it, it's, it's such a, it can be such like an insidious, like sneaky thing and it just creeps up on you. Um, yeah. So what had you, so you, you came from, you know, one place in your childhood and then what really had you become so outspoken about your, and empowered around your sexuality? I think when I finally got a, a grasp on my life, um, and actually I was the one who was making the decisions in my life opposed to uh, the other people. I think, and again, once I got sober, once I cleared out a lot of the rage, then I could, I had like a, a clean slate. Mm. And that is when I started to do things, like I was always like thirsting for like knowledge and guidance. And and so I, any opportunity I could get by doing, you know, like a, a women's workshop or, you know, meditation that was on the feminine energy and anything that I could like teach myself. Yeah. And then what happened is, is all kind of enveloped in a sense of like love and security and nurturing. And so now moving forward, I don't have to be angry. I don't have to defend myself. It's simply this, this is who I am today. Mm. And what were some of the, I'm, I mean, mm. I'm just curious because I had like, like, again, I don't know if you guys had any rage come up for you last year or at any points in your life. Oh my well, God. I mean, so I've been managing my rage for almost a decade now in therapy, you know, yeah. like really removing it. And uh, Mama Gina, Regina Thomashauer, who inspired our show with her book, Pussy, a Reclamation, really helped me identify that I was angry because I actually didn't know that I was angry. And mm-hmm. then once I started tapping into the things that you're talking about, like the divine feminine my pussy, like talking about, like never talked about any of these things ever. My world started to open up and I really got present to that. I was angry. And then she does this one exercise called swamping, which is really just getting that energy out of your body. And that's something that definitely helped me a lot in, you know, pairing with many other things. Yeah. And I could say that I, I could say that I definitely deal with rage. It's kind of, already always there and it's a conscious choice to speak from kindness and I have a wonderful partner who reminds me can you say that with kindness and I'm like oh my god you're right the world isn't against me you're right and Katie and I were just talking about this today I was like I need to just be more kind to my partner because and when I say that it's like and I was like thanks for the reminder (laughs) <laughs> right. And it's not like at him. It's just like this living rage within me that if only he could feel and understand why it's so hard to communicate from kindness. But then I realize I'm like, I'm not actually angry in this with him or in this moment, but like feeling like, okay, this is just the childhood trauma that's just there. That's that already always mm. reaction in the background. Yeah. So totally still working through my rage, owning it and also like addressing it. And Yeah, especially when I'm really busy and like my schedule is stacked real tight. Like it has nothing to, it honestly has nothing to do with my partner or anyone else who's experiencing the anger and rage. It has to do with just like I, for me, I've noticed a lot, I'll overload my schedule. And if I pair it back and actually carve out time for me mm. and pleasure, which is what we teach 
a lot here at Clit Talk, and I actually do practice what I preach, then I notice a lot of that doesn't happen as often. And I think as women, as women also, what I've tried to explain to um, my partner is that I have, I feel pressures that he doesn't feel. Mm -hmm. Like for me to walk across a parking lot to my car has a whole different experience than him in the, you know, as a man walking across. He doesn't have any of the ideas that it, what it, what it's like to be a woman. Yeah. You know, all of the, I guess they're the unspoken you know, and so he's like, why are you so stressed out? I'm like, da, 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 da. you know, and he's like, I don't, I don't get that. So, and then you top that with rage. Oh my God, that's just a, that's just the, the boiling pot. Definitely. Yeah. What were some of the um, practices or things that you did to really help you process through um, those like feelings of rage and, you know, working out mm. is a great place to leave a lot of anger. Right. And so when I first got into that, I simply just wanted to change the way my thighs looked. I mean, that's seriously the reason why I went in. And then, of course, then all of this other stuff started to happen. Like the the stress inside, that was just a little less. That feeling of accomplishment, you know, you lift heavy weights in the morning and something hits you at noon and you're like, really? Like, you have no idea what I did this morning in the gym. This isn't anything. So it, it started, those are things I used. Um, work, you know, working out. Um, I went to various, um, like one of them was called, it's in uh, Arizona. And it was for children of toxic parents. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, a week workshop. You know, I've done that. I've done the body workshop up in New York. You know, I've, it's pretty much anytime something crumbs across my path and it resonates with me, I grab it. What's the body and meditation? What's the body workshop? Uh, it's called Body Works, oh. and I don't even know if they're doing it any longer. It was primarily in the gay male, you know, gay male sector. Oh. And then there was these trickles through of where there would be women conferences. It is off the charts powerful. Kind of like, Katie, what you were talking about with Mama... Mama, Mama Gina. Gina. Mama Gina. Regina Tomashar. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just really like you sat in front of the mirror. You put the mirror between your legs in front of the entire group and... You, you looked at, you looked at your pussy, you looked at what it was and you talked about it and it was super vulnerable. Mm, we've done that here. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yes. laughs> but that's some powerful it stuff, is. right? And I think too, like doing what we're doing right now, anytime the feminine gets to like get together, it's so powerful. It's so healing. Yeah, absolutely. We we did, we did, we called it with, we did it with Lacey Hayes. And uh, the three of us did together in the same room. And we were all, but we were all had like blankets on and stuff. But to do it in yeah, front of- Yeah, she's like, go a, under your blanket. Yeah, but it sounds like if, to do it in front of a whole room would be mm-hmm. a different experience. I feel like that would of be a strangers. Dress. Yeah. Yes, but they're not strangers because they're women. Mm. And that's yeah. really what you're connecting with mm. is, is, is the female energy within. Mm. It was powerful. It was, I mean, I was ready to hightail it on day two. I was like, you know, this really isn't a good fit. I think it should probably get going. (laughs) The lady's like, I invite you, as she said so delicately, I invite you to lean into this. And I was like, (laughs) you're like, damn it. I'm so glad I did. I know, right? I was completely called out. (laughs) Usually it's the shit that scares us the most is the shit we should lean into. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with sister goddesses that 
invite you to lean in because yeah. I it's it's unprecedented. That's why we have our clit talk community. So yeah, because we all hold each other accountable. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also understand each other's language, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we know when we're walking in shame, you know? So right. we've, like that. we've talked a lot on the show, you know, not a lot. We've talked about, you know, traumas, past sexual traumas, past emotional traumas. But one thing that we really haven't touched on is addiction as it relates to our pleasure, right? So, you know, did your addiction get in the way of your ability to experience your pleasure? What, how did those two interplay together for you? With my story, it started out with the sexual abuse. Mm. And so I think pleasure took on a whole new entity at that stage. And so then to evolve into alcoholism, I would, any, any type of self-love, any sort of pleasure was a waste of time. Like I am here to survive. You know what I'm saying? So in, in sex for me was currency. That's what I used to get from relationship to relationship to relationship. So no, there, no, there's no pleasure. There was no pleasure. <laughs> did you, did you feel like the alcohol was kind of like numbing that part of you? Like, like you couldn't, it's, it seems like it was almost just like numbing that part of you to even tap into pleasure was like too overwhelming almost. And you know, that's the thing is, um, that's why I like sought outside is because I didn't want all that stuff from childhood coming up. And so then you drink it back down. Like alcohol was my solution. It wasn't a problem. Mm. So, so yeah, it's, it's sometimes you, you think of it a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's so well said. I love that you said like it was, it was currency and like self-love was a waste of time. I feel, I feel like how many mm. women, people, but women, especially out there today, feel like self-care is a waste of time. And how, how do we I like, can yeah. totally relate to, right? to that before yeah. doing this show. That was exactly how it was for me. Like pleasure? No, like I don't. What are you talking about? Yeah. Waste and, of time. That's exactly. pretty bold. And so mm-hmm. how did you how did you, so how did you make that transition from it being a waste of time? Was it like a progression or like how how did you get from point A to point B? Like what what was the thing that really had it shift for you? Was it just getting sober? That was a huge pivotal point in my life. Yeah. Because now I've like I I I have a space where I can stop all the chaos and I can clean up, you know, detox, clean up myself and get some clear thoughts. And then in that very nurturing room, then I was able to start discovering. And and that's really where that power came up. But I was also part of my journey in in the book, as you'll read, is that, you know, I've always had like, it's really interesting how source works, but it's like, I, I, I had a girlfriend that I brought home to my mom over Christmas. I mean, I have like this diversity. I, I, I was very um, active in the transgender community, you know, so I've always identified with outside the norms mm. when, when it comes to sexuality. So I would learn how other people would bring themselves pleasure. Mm. So it kind of gives it this gamut of it's not right or wrong. So then as I moved forward, then I was like, oh, it's kind of like a little buffet. It's like, I want to try some of that. I want to try some of that. And it, when you have that all enveloped within that love and nurturing energy, it, there's you can't go wrong. It's mm. it's all authentic. Yeah. So you and kind of learned by is like key to everything. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Hey, Clitorati, we wanted to take a quick minute to share about our Patreon. You know, we absolutely love being able to create weekly episodes and continue to normalize our message of pleasure on earth. Our Patreon is a monthly subscription crowdfunding platform that allows us here at Clit Talk to have the flexibility to expand our message without having to worry about how it's going to financially impact us personally. We are committed to expanding and creating new and exciting things like live events and a safe VIP community so you can share and be heard in real time. So if Clit Talk makes a difference for you and you'd like to connect with us on a whole new behind the scenes level, please consider supporting our Patreon. Your support makes a huge difference for us so we can make a difference for you. So you say that you have a very loving, open-minded marriage. Um, what, what does this mean to you exactly? <laughs> We had to change that. My husband and I, I was like, we're not really open. Because, you know, there's always the cliche, right? You just think, oh, that means they can, you know, do their own things. We're like, that's not really it. So for us, open-minded, we are both on our second marriage. So that in itself is super exciting. <laughs> so so what we did, you know, when, I, when we pretty much came to the table and decided, you know, what do we want moving forward? I was like, well, A, I have a girlfriend. She's not going anywhere. B, I used to be a femdom, which means I've got techniques that you will never even understand. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, it's like I, I know how to work with, the, you know, the submissive mind of a male. Mm. You know, so, so as we, you know, he, we talk about this sexual journey as we move forward. And that meant like we were going to go to, you know, swingers clubs. And, you know, we, my husband travels internationally. So we were able to go over to some of these exotic places and witness other people's sexuality. So Cap Dog, for instance, is in the south part of France. It's a total nudist colony. It, when do we ever have that opportunity? So I, things like that. So I got to kind of discover, and as us, you know, together, discovering this together. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, we're very open-minded. That's cool. Okay, so what what is like what's the craziest um, I have so international sex party you've been to? <laughs> yeah, we we have lots of questions now. Oh, what's like the gosh. craziest thing Before you've seen at like after an, my husband? <laughs> anytime. Like what's the craziest thing you've seen at like an international sex party? Okay, so this is in uh, Amsterdam. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's supposed to be like the best um, swingers club. And it's VIP. It's this huge mansion-like house out in the country setting. It's nothing like you'd expect it to be. And it is totally refurbished to have like all of these little kind of entities, we'll say, different rooms. And I mean, there was like, there was the hot tub room. There was, um, you know, where the incense are burning and the pillows are on the floor. And I had to crawl up this ladder <laughs> to this attic and it, you crawled around. Yeah, I mean, it's all lit. It's not, it's not creepy, but it's all lit. And it's, everybody is so open. And so as I'm crawling to like kind of find my spot, like, oops, excuse me. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to touch. Oh, God. <laughs> trying to find my corner of this attic. You're like, I understand consent culture. I didn't mean to grab that. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I make my way over to my safe little corner and I turn around and there's this beautiful woman who's, now been crawling after me to there. And she just like laid this amazing kiss on me. And I was like, I am in fucking heaven. Like I didn't have to, I did not have to do anything. That's <laughs> awesome. So, but yeah. And, and just to, because people there, of course they, they're, they're swingers. They, they share their partners, they share each other's experiences. And, 
And so it's, it's really amazing that particular woman, I met her husband later on, who I thoroughly enjoyed. Nice. <laughs> so it's exactly, there's like, <laughs> sugar, you've got like this straight face. Are you okay? I'm just like... <laughs> Yes, I, I, I'm also in an open-minded. She, she's yeah, an ethical so I'm just like marriage. <laughs> I yeah. Okay, I'm okay. with you. I am with you all the way. I, Fantastic. I just want to like, I just want to like go back and forth and share stories. She's <laughs> daydreaming right now <laughs> no, about yeah. being at the party next to yeah, you. I was like, <laughs> well, I'm so visual too. So I was just imagining this play situation I had the other day, and I was like, I just had a really hot makeout with a girl too. That was like out of nowhere, and I was like, I'm in fucking heaven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it was over my wedding anniversary weekend. So like just to, you know, like... Perfect. Yeah, like just to... Yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, see. I had my girlfriend in our wedding. And so the night of the wedding, you know, the first time you have sex with your husband, I... I I said to her, I said, do you want to be the first, you want to be the first one to fuck my husband? And she was like, yes. And so that's, that was our honeymoon. That's next level. Okay. You're next what a level. Gift. What a yeah. what the best. Exactly. You're next so wait, level. I have a question. So, so has your girlfriend ever been your primary partner? If you were with her first, did you, did you just really want no. to marry a man? So she's never been the primary part- partnership in your life. No, she's never been primary. Okay. I think because our dynamics, yeah. And it's not that I've always wanted to marry a man. I mean, it was just, this is how things lined up. There was, right. I did not maneuver anything. No, yeah, yeah. It's just how it happened. Okay, okay. Right. I was just curious. Um, what what have been some of the, the challenges um, that you've overcome in living, you know, an open lifestyle? Like, and what makes you feel, like, how do you, how do you feel empowered around that? Like, what, what, what advice do you have to people who are maybe considering dipping their toe? <laughs> it is not as easy as it looks. Mm. (laughs) Let's just put that out there. For me, I came in with all of these tapes, right? The tapes that play in the back of our head, you know, body image issues, and she's going to steal my husband. And I had all those fears actually come to life in these very intimate settings. And so like this double whammy of wanting to be this person for my husband, Mm. but then like crushing on the inside. And so it's working through jealousy, You know, um, I've realized that when I do feel that jealousy, it has to do with the other woman. So it's the energy of the other woman, not the fact that I'm just a jealous person, mm. right? There's just something about her that makes me uncomfortable. I'm with yes. you. Yeah. Sugar's yes. nodding. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, because when... When you get into, you know, playing this lifestyle, you just, you think it's like this free for all where there's no emotions and, and keep in mind, I got to, I got to do this sober. I don't get the luxury. Exactly. So I don't get the luxury of having a drink or smoking a bowl. I mean, I don't have this. So you're like really dealing with it, you know, complete. Wow. That's, that's intense. Like I yes. said, you're next yes. level. You're next level. <laughs> and I'm telling you, sometimes I still hold on the railings. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah. But, you know, then there are other times. My husband primarily enjoys watching me. Thank God. Because That's then I get to enjoy my pleasures. I get to bring in, you know, I love beautiful black men and built men. And I love all that yumminess. Yeah. And he adores the idea that I'll do this in front of him and... 
So it's so far we're at a win-win. Good. <laughs> and that girl is gone. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. I think it's important. You know, I would say I love, I'm going to steal your phrase, open-minded. I feel like that is what me, me yes. and my partner are. We're open-minded. <laughs> like sometimes we do, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't. Um, yeah. And I love that you, you know, you talked a little bit about body image and how it relates to that. And you are someone that is in the fitness world and you've had such a, a, t- a journey with that. Like a lot of our listeners struggle with that in connection to asking for what they want, right? Like in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you share about your ongoing journey around that and like, you know, your body liberation journey, like in any tangible tips for people? Because this is Absolutely. this is such a huge part of your ethos. Yeah. It's, it, it's really a big part of my journey. Um, I picked up my mom's uh, belief system that, you know, my thighs were big or they were, you know, whatever. And I live in Texas and it is hot in the summer. And I would wear Spanx underneath blue jeans because oh I was gosh. mortified by my thighs. Now, keep in mind, I'm 120 pounds at this point. Mm. There really was nothing there. But I could, I was like, And I think, too, after learning about addiction and how your mind, you know, you get obsessed with a thought. Mm. I mean, I couldn't sit down on a a high bar stool without worrying how the side of my leg would look if if it pressed over. You know, is it going to look, is there going to be cellulite? Is, you know, like I was so consumed with what was going on in my mind that I wasn't even present for the event that I was there for. Mm. Oh my God. I used to experience the same thing when I was um, going through some of my um, food disordered eating habits at like 18, 19, where I literally couldn't even be fucking present with Mm. someone I was with because the whole time I was thinking, is my belly hanging over? Is is there cellulite on my thighs? And like everything was around um, that. Yeah. including getting dressed. Well, but, it's kind of fascinating. Like, yeah. do you think that, like, self-body shame, it, is it an addiction that mm. we can break? Hmm. I think we can unlearn anything. Yeah. I think we totally can unlearn anything. So when I got into bodybuilding, it was simply because I wanted to get rid of that cellulite on my legs. Right. That was the only reason. I had no intentions of doing what I'm doing right now. But what I noticed is, is when I started to eat right, like, oh my gosh, well, just eating right, the texture of my skin and my thighs changed, mm. right? I'm not taking in a lot of dairy products, not no processed foods, those sorts of things. And don't get me wrong, I love my cheeseburger just like any other, <laughs> you know? But it's like, I just, when I started to see what my body would do, and then like my upper body responded very quickly, the clothes, that tag on the back, no longer applied. That was so liberating, where I would go into one store and I'd be a size two, and I'd go to this store and I'd be a size eight, and I was like, uh-uh, I did the 110% in that gym. You can't tell me what size I am. You know, so like to really just have this like clipping of that little tag, it's like enough Mm. with that, you know? And so as I continue, right, I actually wear booty shorts now on the, on the Stairmaster. Unheard of. Unheard of, right? Because I was that, I kept everything covered, especially when I was a little girl. Mm. So I think, and then also like we were talking about, like learning about the, the feminine, you know, the divine feminine and realizing like what amazing women we are 
Yeah. Like the nurturing aspects of, I mean, we are the glue that holds families together, you know? And so when I started to realize those benefits I had, it's like this package just, it just became, and I still put stuff on and go, oh girl, you are not going out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> but I think that's just with anybody. Yeah. yeah, I think that's normal. Do you do you feel like the work that you've done like on your actual addictions, like those tools, were they applicable to like shifting your body image? I think getting rid of the the chatter, mm. the defects, that anger, getting rid of all of that allowed for a clear space. I don't particularly use the tools that I learned to get sober. Yeah. Except, you know, just the fact that I am here to be of service. This isn't about me. You know, I'm here to help somebody else. So maybe that might have had a part to do with it. Mm. But it was, for me, it was, it was the love. Just, just Mm. being amongst people who totally like embraced me. Mm. That's where it started. Community. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Um, Yeah, It really is. So you have a book coming out. Can you tell us about your book? Yes, it is called uh, The Making of a Woman. And this started years ago, um, but finally came to fruition in January. So with drugs and alcohol, there are usually, at least for my story, there was a lot of blackouts. I had to actually take my tax returns and figure out where I was at on my journey. I moved a lot. I, I, was a, I, was, I was definitely a runner. And so once I got this all together, I now have this amazing book that I, um, it's how we did it, because I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to sit down and write the book or, because like what we're doing right now, this is what's powerful to me, mm. right? So what I did is I found an author who I told my story to. Mm. And then she, with my help, of course, wrote back. And it was amazing to have another woman, you know, write your story and for you to read it. Um, And so the cover of the book is these beautiful long legs with these Christian Louis Vuittons. And yes, those are my legs. (laughs) Nice. Um, I thought if anybody's going to be on my cover. Better be you. It's going to be me. It's going to be be you. Damn right. And those thighs are going to be showing. (laughs) That's right. I love that. So, so yeah, she is right now in pre-sale. So Amazon and, and, the, and uh, my website, all of the um, various like Barnes and Noble and all that. She's on pre-sale until she launches October 5th. Mm. So right now, if you buy the Kindle version, I think you can get the digital version. Um, and then what we're doing is a launch party, a book launch party, mm. both in person and virtual. So... You order the book, you get the little receipt number, you put it in, you know, on and the website, and then you get an invitation to the launch party, which is happening on the 26th of September. Oh, how fun. I love that. That's super yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and th- you know, I'm, thank you so much for coming on and, and just having an open, open-minded conversation with us today. Um, there it is. <laughs> what I, one of the things that you said that I really love is um, when you took the attention off of yourself. But you said it in a way that was being of service, which I think is a really powerful tool. And it's so evident that that is who you are and why you've written this book, why you're having these conversations. And what I love about the, what you said is you can take care of yourself and, get, and have self-love and be of service. It's not like if you're of service, 
then you're not taking care of yourself. Like the two actually go together. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, a common misconception for a lot of people. They think if they're being of service, then they're not taking care of their own needs. And I love that you're just make that you're bridging that that conversation and bring it to the forefront because I think it's a really powerful one that we all kind of have to find our own balance in. <laughs> um, so yeah, and we always hear like I don't believe in it's either or, it's and. Yeah, that is probably another reason why I can have this open minded relationship is because I don't have to have either A or B. I I can have all. I can have the and. So, and, and love is continuous. Yeah. Let's face it. The more I give, the more I get back. How can that, how can that be? Okay. That's the perfect solution. It really is so true. Oh, it's so true. Well, yeah. very, very well said. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Yes. Um, remind our listeners how they can follow you, how they can follow your, your book, Instagram and your fitness one and your website and best way for people to keep in touch with you and keep tabs on your the launch of your book and your book party? Simply go to themakingofawoman.com. Perfect. Everything you need is on there. I'm on YouTube, I'm Instagram. I mean, we were even working on a little TikTok. Oh, amazing. <laughs> nice. Cool. Yes. Going to give it a shot. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but that's where you can find everything. And then I have a newsletter with, with all of, you know, the upcoming events and giveaways Perfect. and all the other fun stuff happening. So, Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming on and having a conversation with yeah. us today. And Clitorati, get out there, read her book. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there's some more sex party confessions in the book. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Before or after my husband. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, Clitorati, yeah. go out there, follow her, get her book when it comes out. And you know what that time it is. We're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Clit Talk Show for your clit fix in between episodes.